Thanks for checking out this message from City on a Hill Church International. For ways to connect and get involved in the life of our church, please go to our website, coah.co.za. Very excited just to speak to Murak and Cherie about preteens and teens. And um, I was thinking back to when I was a teenager, and um, I, I really wasn't an easy teenager. I really gave my mom a hard time. So um, I'm really trusting that, 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 that what we'll hear tonight will equip parents just to, to deal with all the emotions, all the hormones, all the, the things that happen to this, the, the body of a child becoming a teenager. So we know it's not easy for those of you that can remember your teen years. Um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't the easiest time in, well, in my life, it wasn't the easiest time. So, Murdoch and Shree, let's just start by explaining the developmental stages that children go through and um, how our parenting changes according to these stages. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Uh, what a privilege to be here. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, so maybe just before we start, I'm... Uh, for those that don't know us, we've got three boys. <coughs> we've uh, started off with twins. Uh, they're 19 now, and then we've got another boy in grade 11. So, yeah, God blessed us with three boys, raised raise, raise three boys. And, uh, yeah, Angela, it's a good question, because if you talk about different stages that, that children go through, you know, if we, if we even start from conception until they leave your house, there's many stages, and you can read many people's opinions and and. and Many people have many different things that they say, but <clears throat> if I can just maybe condense them into three basic areas that, that I've seen. Uh, the first that I picked up is uh, when, when a baby comes into this world, he's got three basic needs. Is there someone that will love me, someone that will protect me, and someone that will nurture me? And I believe a baby coming into his first stage, um, that's, a, that's called the loving stage of his life. It's a stage where he just wants to know there's someone that loves me, cares, me, cares for me, nurtures me, protects me. And it's interesting that the anointed and appointed person that God has placed there is the mother. <laughs> You know, so I'm not saying only the mother, but I say a big portion of that falls on the mother because to love comes natural for a mother, to protect, to nurture comes natural for a mother. I mean, just see, I remember when my boys grew up um, and they, uh, you know, becoming seven, eight years or so, uh, we would go outside and we had this tree in, in our yard and then they would climb up in this tree and I would say, yes, my boys, go, go, awesome, yay, well done, go, yes, go, go. And then when my wife would come out, she would say, oh, what, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You're going to fall, come down, come down, you're going to hurt yourself. So you can see as men, we outgoing, more outgo, you know, focus outwards. I mean, uh, and, and women are more inward focused, protective. Um, just see how a, how a mother holds her baby. You know, it's, it's like this with the head in, uh, so that he can speak, I love you. A, a, a man turns a baby around, carries him like this, shows him the world. We're outward focused. So I think it's very important that uh, a baby comes into that stage of his life, that the foundation of love is laid in a child's life because it's, it's a foundation of how his uh, relationship is going to be in the future. But then plus minus nine years old depends on the, on, the, on, the, on the maturity of your child. Your child goes, you know, what I call the coaching phase. You know, it's a, it's a time where he still wants to listen. And where you, it's a good time where you can, you can give word. You know, you can... Um, yeah, have input in your child's life. And then when he hits a teenagers, 
uh, uh, phase. That's a phase where your child wants to see, hey, it's not all about talking. I want to see this working in your life. I want to see this is happening in your life. I want to see what you say you live. You know, so I think that's a, that's a, a, a last big phase, you know, where, where, your, where your child wants to experience God, not only hear about God. Um, I'm just thinking again of that uh, uh, portion in uh, um, Judges 2 verse 10. Uh, you know, where the nation came into the promised land and then uh, um, uh, um, they, they took the promised land and uh, the next generation came in and uh, it says that they didn't serve God, they served balls. And I said, Lord, but how is this possible? Because yes, a generation that saw you, saw, saw you move, saw you give them the promised land and yet their children come and they don't serve God. And it's as if God just said, yeah, but they didn't experience God. They only heard about what God did. You know, so, so I think teenagers is a stage where we, we, you know, we, we, we should take our children to experience God. They must see that Christ is a reality in our lives. Yeah. I don't know how much time we have per question, but yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's, that's um, it's very good to, to know that. You can bring the water. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Thank you, Alicia. I must just say, uh, say this, uh, um, if, it's, if it's fine. Thank you. Um, you know, when we teach our children in those phases, then uh, usually what we do, we want to tell them what to do, and then we say, right, do you understand? Right, go and do it. But we miss two stages. Uh, we need to tell them how to do something. Then we need to show them how to do it. And then we need to stand with them while they do it. And then we release them to do something. You know, but uh, many times we tell them something to do and if they don't do it, then you know, we get angry. Yeah, and I think what I, what I love about what I'm hearing is um, that I think for, for or what I'm thinking about is the fact that many of us, we didn't grow up knowing how to parent. So if, if you grew up in a home where you were not parented well, um, I want to encourage you just to, you press through for the next generation. You, you are, so it's difficult, but then the next generation, it's going to get easier. And for the, the next generation, it's going to get easier. So if you're the one that's saying, what did we say before with um, a few weeks ago, Toti and ni then take courage and push through and, um, because, because the Lord is going, to, is, is going to empower you and then the next generation, it will be a lot easier. And just this morning, I was actually experiencing that, especially for single moms, you know, where, where you are perhaps raising a teenager and you're struggling with this and you're going, oh, but I, I'm, not, I'm not covering all these things. The Lord will, will help you and he will father those children. He will help to father those boys, to father those girls, to father those teenagers, um, because maybe now you're hearing, okay, now the father must step in and now there is no father, but the, the Lord is, is our father and he will fill in the gap so that those boys, when they are adults and when they are, are raising their children, the, the next generation flourishes. So let's contend for that. So just with this whole, as they grow up and they're growing into the different stages, we all know that they go through stages in their bodies and um, and as a parent, a lot of times parents avoid the whole sexuality thing. It's like, oh, we just hope that somehow they'll figure it out, you know, and buy. And, and the problem is, is that our schools are the ones that end up teaching them or not even our schools, their friends. And, and like what, 
and they, they, the age is becoming lower and lower where kids are exposed to all sorts of things that are really damaging to them. So when you, as a parent, what is a healthy way to introduce sexuality to your children? Well, uh, maybe if I can answer that one uh, again, and then uh, Cherie will take the next one. <laughs> I think when your children is very small, it's important not to give too much information. But there's a stage uh, around eight, nine years old where they will start to, to in engage these things, you know, either in school or with friends, with media, it's going to maybe cross, cross their path. Um, and I would say that would be a good time to, to have a good chat around these things. I remember um, we, I took my boys to school one day and then they talked about the life cycle of, a, of, a, of the frog from school and then I said oh whoa Jesus well, I mean it's time <laughs> I need to do this <laughs> and I need to have the chat and I remember one night I called my boys went to their room laid on the bed and then I asked okay tell me what do you know about sex poof <laughs> and they just you know shut down <laughs> and I, I think I asked another question or two but no response and I walked out there with the red face I didn't know what yes I said Jesus help <laughs> and then I went to search Lord what is it books what is it that I can use and it's interesting that there's not much tools uh, I, I wanted the tool that I can 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 work through with my boys not something that can give them and that they can do on their own and um, so I decided to, to write a book and I've written this book and then uh, one night I took my boys and uh, we sat at a certain place and we start to read this through this book and just explaining God's principles of, of marriage, God's principles of sexuality and just how, you know, just with a godly approach towards these things. And, um, and because I did it with my boys, read it through with my boys, it just opened up a window of conversation that we never had in the past. You know, they could talk to me about these things. And in the past, it was just a, a topic that it wasn't discussed. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's important. And then as they hit puberty, it's important also to talk to, to your boys, maybe then man to man, lady to lady, you know, or, or mother to daughter, uh, uh, father to son, maybe in, in that context, you know, when it comes to physically what's happening in your body. Uh, because it can be awkward if maybe for a, for a boy that's 13 or 12, whatever, you know, for his mother to talk to him about certain things, you know, and uh, awkward for, for them. But uh, yeah, so I would say that's, a, that's, that's about a good time. Yeah, and I think good to remember again that the reason we have a church family is that we have other men that can um, speak into these situations. So um, for, for moms that perhaps don't have, have that, it's like, oh my gosh, what do you do? Um, that there are, there are godly men that are um, within our church and within the body of Christ that can help, help with that. And just for those of you that are interested in the book, please speak to us, ask Murdoch. We'd love to, to, to share with you. I, um, I did the book with, my, with Abigail, or we're working through some of the things, and it's actually really, really well written. I, I quite like the way that it's been written, and because some of the other stuff out there is they're introducing all sorts of, of stuff that we don't, we as believers don't agree with. Um, so we do need to be careful what we expose our children to, and that that we are the ones that are, are, are sharing um, with them. Yeah, and just for interesting uh, uh, statistics say, 
if you if you do the talk with your children, it, the chances is 67% less than they, uh, the chance that they would get involved in, in ungodly sexual activities because just they know the truth uh, uh, and, and God's heart around that. Sure. Okay, so we all know about, for those of us that have got teenagers and preteens, those emotional outbursts, you know, those things that are changing in their bodies and they actually don't understand. I mean, I remember the one day Abigail was saying to me, um, well, she's young, but she was just having this, she was just crying and she was just saying, mommy, I don't understand why I'm crying so much. And I could just explain, yeah, but you, you know, you're starting to change and everything. So, but how do we, as parents, how do we stay calm? How do we deal with these emotional outbursts? Because sometimes it's like you want to just, I don't know, wring their necks. <laughs> You just, you know, how do you, do? you have to deal with your own emotions as well in the moment. Um, but just what are healthy ways that for us as parents, when there is that emotional door slamming, screaming, boxing, whatever, crying, how do we as parents deal with that, Cherie? What really helped me was when I realized that my preteen or my teen and his emotional outbursts or the way he reacts was... Um, was really, it's not that he suddenly become a bad person, but that it was his emotions and that it was the hormones and um, that he was really struggling and that the words that was coming out of his mouth wasn't exactly the way he thought it was coming out. And for us not to not to tolerate the bad behavior, um, we but not to tolerate the bad behavior, but to also to help them and also not to overreact and not to over-discipline them in this and for them to know that it's okay to feel like this. It's normal to feel like this. Um, there's not something wrong with you, but the way you react is where the problem comes in and to help them to react in a, in a better way. Um, what me and Murdoch did was when they reacted like that, we would say, no, 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 this is not the way. Go back and come again and say it again. I think with the boys, um, it wasn't like that crying thing and they didn't react like that. It was more like they, they talking in a, in a harsh way and, and they will be um, like a little bit disrespectful in the way they're coming over. So then we just help them and say, no, this is not the way and let's help them and um, and for them really to understand you can't, you have to communicate in a way that's, on, that's honoring other people. And um, I think that really helped. Yeah, and what about rebellion, when they're just rebellious, um, do you, with regards to discipline, how do you still, you know, can you still, well, I suppose we, we well, we, with hidings we can't really <laughs> speak of, um, we can't do that really, but how do you, with rebellion, if they're outright rebellious, do you take away phones? Do you, how do you, what are good ways to deal with rebellion? Okay, what we did was with the rebellion um, was um, more to, to um, when the rebellion comes and I've helped my kids to, to know, we told them that we all act sometimes in a, in a manner that we don't want to. We all, even me and Murdoch, we did that. And that it's important for us to acknowledge that our behavior is not right, um, to be rebellious is not right, and to repent of it. And we, 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 we took the word of God, and we show them out of the word of God that this is not God's heart, and for us, the way we need to react is like this. And I think it's important for us as, 
in our house to model it. So when me and Murdoch sometimes were yelling at each other or saying harsh words to one another, and how we handle that, how we, how we, um, how we say we're sorry to one another, and even to the kids, and even um, sometimes when um, we drove to school and all havoc broke out in the car and the kids is rebellious and... Um, yeah, and then we react, and I reacted and screaming, and then the Lord just hijacked me, and he says, what the heck's going on here? And then I just said, okay, Lord, okay, let's, let's repent. <laughs> then I said, okay, I'll go first. I'll, I'll go first. I said, Lord, sorry for the way I'm reacting. Sorry for screaming to the kids. And then I said, okay, what about you guys? You also want to repent. So that was the way I did it, and I think it really opened up a way for them to, to, to know it's okay to, to behave badly, but it's also, we need to acknowledge it, we need to take responsibility, we need to repent over it. And um, the rebellious thing is we, um, boundaries, we have, we have boundaries, we set boundaries, and we saw that when the kids know the boundaries beforehand, when they know this is what we allow and this is what we do not allow, um, then they weren't as rebellious because our boys weren't really um, that rebellious, but they rebelled against going to places they don't, didn't want to go, especially church stuff. So there's always a lot of church stuff, and they don't want to go to all of that. So um, some, some things like going to church on a Sunday morning is not negotiable. And when they know that, they didn't rebel over it. So they knew certain things they need to attend. And then, like, say, for instance, the Northwest Equip, we're coming up then two weeks before. We will communicate it to them. We will say, we want you to, to attend the Northwest Equip, and you need to prepare your hearts for that. And that really helped for them not to, um, to rebel against it so that their hearts are prepared. Um, yeah, and also to give them choices. We gave them choices. Murdoch would say to Dirk, because, um, okay, you, we want you to, to, to go to the youth, but we'll give you a choice. You can go to the youth, or you can come, come and help me with my financial game when I go to places, and you come and help me with that. And then he chose to go to the youth. And then he, didn't, he never rebelled against it because he chose it. And another thing that, that I... Um, did was with his schoolwork um, before exams. I, I told them to put up a roster. They need to go and decide when for two weeks before exams. They need to put up their own roster. They decide what days they're gonna they're gonna learn and at what time. And then they must must bring it to me. I looked at it. And then I, I was just the one to, to see that they did it. Because then they didn't reb rebel against it because they've decided it. They said they're gonna, that's how they want to do it. And that really helped um, us to, to yeah, for them not to be rebellious. Yeah, that, that's actually very, I like that. That sounds very wise because then, yeah, like you're saying, they, they get to make the choice. But as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about for parents that are listening that already feel it's already out of hand and the kids are just ruling the house and it's you haven't set the boundaries to now bring those boundaries in maybe Murdoch you can share so just just on the spot how would you do that like so yeah 
Yeah, so it depends on the age of your children. When your children is a younger age, obviously I'm for a hiding. So I know there's people out there that's not for a hiding. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. <laughs> I'm for a good hiding in, in my house. Um, because, you know, there was a time when, when the nation were under the law. And then there was a, then Jesus died on the cross. And then God had grace. You know, so there's a time when they're under the law, they understand the rule, and that's how they operate, and uh, they need to learn those things. And then there comes a time when, when uh, I, I would say it's more responsibility with consequences, and that's what you're saying. When, you're when they become teenagers and they're rebellious, well, the longer you wait to implement stuff in the house, the bigger the sacrifice will be. You must know that. And if you want to now start doing something when they're 16 and you've never done it before, you must know your sacrifice is going to be much bigger than when you try when you start when they when they four years old you know so so I would say a good thing then to do is uh, choices with consequences because you can't um, you know you, you, you can't uh, uh, um, control them you know if you control you're gonna you're gonna create more rebellion so um, it's 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 better if you just come uh, uh, with choice and consequence. For example, there's, there's one girl, um, uh, her father said, listen, it's going to be your job to take out the rubbish bag uh, if, from the kitchen, you know, from the dustbin. And um, so your choice is you can take it out or you're going to live with the consequences. That's your choice, choice A or choice B. So uh, second week, she didn't do it. And uh, one morning when she woke up, all these rubbish bags were in her room. It was stinking, you know, it wasn't good. And she came out running, Father, what's going on? He said, yeah, can you remember choice A, choice B, choice A, you remove it. Choice B, you're going to live with it. You know, but I love you. You're my daughter. You're precious to me. You see, you could, you could discipline with love. Um, so, so she never missed it again. Yeah, you know, so, so um, because our teenagers need to learn that one day when, when you go out of the house and you come into the real world, there's going to be choices with consequences mm -hmm. and there are going to be uh, a lot of responsibilities, you know, so we're not going to carry, we want you to learn responsibility, so we're going to give you choices with consequences mm -hmm. and even rebellion. Yes, there, there's, there's certain things that you don't do, you know, you, 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 you talk with respect. If you don't talk with respect, there's consequences. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially when my boys were, were, were young, um, under 10 years old, uh, they would get a good hiding uh, if, if, they, if they talked disrespectful. And uh, yeah, when they became teenagers, I said, okay, now I'm, I'm not going to hit you, but I'm going to give you choices with consequences. Mm. And, uh, mm. and that's the thing. And the other thing, it, it needs to work in your life. Yes. You know, if you tell them to do something, you must be consequent with it. Otherwise, they're going to disrespect you. If you're not consequent on your rules and you need to live out those things and show the example. Yeah, and I'm also just thinking that even to perhaps up until this point, you it hasn't gone well, um, to really pray and trust the Lord to do a work, but even to sit with your child and to say, like Cherie was saying, to say, listen, um, I've made some mistakes, and but let's trust that we can contend for the next generation. And so I'm wanting to implement certain things now for your benefit and for your good because I love you and because I want you to see you walk in the, the promises of God. I want to see you walk and live a victorious life. So I want us to help each other so that we can do this well. But also to, to apologize and say that I made mistakes and I like, I like that, that we say, look, 
I've made mistakes. I need the grace of God. I need the Lord to help me. And and let's and and but I also need you to be in the same in the same place. And just um, also to know that there's certain personalities. Some some children are a bit more, you know, in the front than others. And it's important not to play the red card too many times and break their, their spirit, you know. So so just be wise with how we implement things and how we do things because, I mean, if you if you play a, a soccer game and you get a red card the whole time, it's going to break you, you know. Uh, and then, yeah, so just to, to really have that, that balance because your child needs to know that in everything, in discipline, you love him. And the goal is because I love you. You know, so that must be the overall thing. And, and, and the other thing is, the greater your level of blessing, the greater your level of discipline can be. So there needs to be, blessing needs to overwhelm discipline. You know, your kid needs to know, I love you, I'm proud of you, you're my son, you're my daughter, well done, great. The, the, the greater that is, the greater your discipline can be. Because they know that I am loved. But some children only get discipline and no confirmation or no blessing, you know. So, so um, yeah. Then it, then it, it yeah. And also, if if the if the, yeah, if your discipline is if your your rules, if the kids feel the rules is more important than I, that's when people, the children rebel. So it's really important that that it's not about my rules. So that's why. I think it's good to have boundaries. It's good that they know what is right, what is wrong. But if everything's about my rules and you need, you must, it must be like this, that's, that's when they tend to rebel. Yeah, and uh, um, the best discipline you can give your children is Jesus. You know, I remember I was, I was, I was growing up one of those boys that, yeah, <laughs> you know, that, Give my, gave my parents a hard time. But the moment I met Jesus, the Lord confronts me and says, hey boy, I want you to, to honor your parents. Oh, sure, Lord, I've never read this before. Yes, Lord, I will. Want to, yes, Lord, I, want to, I love you. I want to do your will. Stop this, stop that, stop this. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit started speaking and, and my life started to come into place. So, so the best discipline you can give your children is Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, and with that, to be, to be praying, I've heard so many, I think this week I was watching this um, preacher who was speaking about his grandmother who's now in, in his church, and she will come to him and say to him, you are yeah because of my prayers, because he was also completely rebellious and just doing into all sorts of drugs and nonsense, and now he's leading this church, and his grandmother comes, and she says, just remember, <laughs> you are here because of my prayers, Amen. and so let's, let's yeah. be praying, let's be trusting, and um, just before I go on to the next question, if you do have other questions, and you are online, you can post them, and then we will ask them at the end, and then we'll also have, if there are questions, we will open up um, for more at the end. But just what you mentioned earlier about your, the children are, are different to each other, and you, with your twins, their personalities are very different. Um, and just with that, sibling rivalry, I mean, with, with fighting, and, and you know how the enemy plays into comparison and, and um, 
I think it's just a, a scheme of the enemy to say, oh, but we uh, tells our children lies about that you have a favorite, and, and often personality plays into that. How did you deal with that sibling rivalry that, that would take place and strife between siblings? Um, we encouraged our kids to, um, to handle it with empathy and kindness and not with violence and hitting one another, but sometimes that happened as well. So one thing that I did um, was to send them to their rooms and said they need to go and, and think about what happened and they need to ask the Lord what they did wrong and come up with what, how they need to do it and then they must come back and they must apologize. So that's how I did it. No, that's, that's, that's very helpful. And that apology and, um, yeah, also just realizing that we need to, like you said earlier, we need to be respecting, respecting each other. Okay, so this next one, I want to share a little bit of, of, of something that happened when I was a teenager, and that is, um, so what do you do when your teenager is mixing with the wrong friends? And I remember when I was in grade eight, I decided I was going to be friends with the most rebellious girl in the school who was um, dating a matric boy. And I decided I'm going to make, I'm going to be friends with her because she has no friends. And eventually we had this friendship group and she was sort of the leader of our group. And I remember my mom just saying, you are not gonna be friends with this girl because she was really into all sorts of stuff and already sexually active as a young, a young um, girl already. And, and so, but I ignored that and I decided, well, this is, you know, when you're in high school, you, you, you gotta keep, <laughs> you, it's, there's, it's very difficult to move out of your friendship group and to make new friends. And, and I remember the one day we were standing in the middle of the quad, our friendship group, and she, stood up and she said, so girls, Ainsley's mom has said that she may not be friends with me anymore, so whoever wants to come with me can come with me, and whoever wants to stay with her can stay with her, and they all, they all followed her across the quad, and you know, in high school, you feel like the whole school is watching you, and I remember there was one girl that stayed with me, and she said, my dad doesn't want me to be friends with her either. And so, and so we were friends. I don't know how, how this girl found out that my mom had said that we are not friends and what have you. But, and I was, I'm actually, I was actually relieved in a way because I didn't know how to, to get out of that. And my mom's intervention, even though I'm sure back then was really hard, I think it saved me from a lot of pain and a lot of, um, so I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't know how that happened, that she, she got word of that. But looking back, I can really say that, that, it, that it was a good thing um, that that happened. But how do you deal with, with when you're, you can clearly, because the scriptures tell us bad company corrupts good character. And your friends, like Mark would always say, tell me who your friends are and I'll prophesy your future. And so I, I, you know, they get into these friendship groups how do you deal with that? No, that's, a, that's unfortunately a reality that the world is broken. And um, children, you know, when children come hit a, a teenager, there's this big search for identity, for place, for belonging. And um, that's why many children would, uh, um, would join a gang, because a counterfeit family, uh, there's people that would fight for you that would even you know that they would say that i would die for you yeah you know and and um, and then children but it cost him a price 
to join those things, you know, but they're willing to pay the price because they want to belong. And uh, I just, I believe um, just, you know, if, if, if you want your children to, to have the right friends, it starts in your house. Because um, uh, um, <laughs> we say in Afrikaans, soort soek soort. You know, so I, 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 I want to be cautious to say that. Because <laughs> sometimes, you know, we're in a Christian house and then my, 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 my um, you know, the friends aren't that, that awesome, you know, that, that because my, my bar is very high. <laughs> you know, so I would just say that, um, yeah, absolutely prayer, as you said. And then uh, if your children are small, obviously you can, you can control a lot of those those uh, spaces, that space, but the, the, the bigger your children become, the diff more difficult it becomes because they're going to school, they're going to sport, they're going to those things, and they are going to be involved. I would say, um, yeah, just pray for your children, give them, give them Jesus. They must fall in love with the Lord because if they love the Lord, they're not going to want to do, do, do ungodly things and be uh, involved in ungodly things. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, I don't think it's something that you can just poof, you know, lay down that easy. It's a, it's a, for, for some parents, it's a very uh, sensitive topic. And I think there's a lot of, lot of aspects there just to give one answer and say, this is what you must do. This is your answer, you know, but I would say, make sure that uh, you again, you know, your children know who they are that they are safe with you so that um, that door of communication is always open, that your children can come to you and speak to you if something happens uh, isn't good. And I would also say, especially if you've got a girl uh, sleeping out these days, uh, I, I won't recommend it. Uh, I won't recommend sleeping out anymore. The, the, there's just too many things that happen with good people and uh, things that you can't control always. Um, and you don't always know circumstances on the other hand. And I know, you know, I always say, it's better to cry when you're young than cry when you're older. You know, so lay down the borders and your child must know your child's in your house um, and uh, you're not independent if you're 16 years old, you're still dependent. And uh, many teenagers say, feel I'm, I can do what I want. I'm, I'm now grown, you're not, <laughs> sorry. You're still in the house. And because you're in the house, there's certain rules in this house uh, that we comply to. And uh, that's just how it is. Um, and we will always be, even if you're 50 years old, you're going to be a dependent person, dependent on God. Uh, so we can never be independent people, you know. So, so uh, it's good to learn that in-house and just lay those, those boundaries. And if you really have a reservation about someone, um, I'm sure you can draw a line. Yeah, and I think also to community is so valuable with the praying, hey, to come and say, yo, I'm, I'm, please pray with me, I'm concerned, um, I'm not sure what to do, my, friend, my, my teenager is mixing with the wrong crowd, and let's um, ha have people that are praying and trusting the Lord with you. Um, and, so, and, and contending for, for their futures. And even to have those conversations, to say, listen, this, um, this, is, this is why, this is the reason why I'm, I'm concerned, because I want us to contend for your future. So technology is an interesting thing. 
Um, my daughter, if she could, she loves, you know, she's only allowed to use Kiddle now. And she's like, no, but you, there's certain things that you can't search. So she'll come to me and say, mom, I need to search this. Would it be okay if I search it on Google? And so she gets lectured a lot around technology. But what are healthy boundaries? How do you, I mean, there are, there are ways that we can check um, what they are searching, but I mean, where do you where do you draw the line? I mean, I just heard um, of a situation where a friend of mine's son was just on WhatsApp, and he was added to a WhatsApp group, random WhatsApp group, and they just started posting all this um, pornography and stuff that is very very harmful. And he wasn't even searching anything; he was just added to this random WhatsApp group. So I mean, gosh, it's 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 frightening, it's really, really frightening what's out there and the way that the, the enemy wants to steal, kill, destroy, and he wants to cause damage. So we really need to be vigilant, we need to be aware. But how do you do that as your children? I don't know, for, for us at the moment, I wanna say no phone until you're 30. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know, we, we, don't, we haven't crossed that bridge yet, but I know that that's coming. So how do you, what do you do? What are healthy boundaries with technology? <laughs> So again, I think it depends on the age, but that is ab absolutely a, a, a thing that's, that's the, 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 uh, in our time where we live in, it's, it's a big thing. What we did with our boys, because when they were, they only got cell phones um, going into high school, uh, um, and, uh, but that was our choice. And uh, the other thing is we decided 25 years ago, we we're gonna stop TV in our house. We're rather going to have those evenings uh, sitting together, spending time together, and uh, sometimes we fight, sometimes we play board games, sometimes we read Bible, sometimes we just chat. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, coming to, to where we are, boys growing up, uh, I think that's probably one of the best things that we could have done in our homes, and that was also our choice. And then uh, coming to games, we sat with the boys, and we sat around a table, and we said, listen, guys, we don't want to say you can't play because obviously uh, you're built for, you know, for adventure, war and stuff. And that, you know, they play games because it is an outlet for that. And then uh, we said, okay, um, so let's, let's put in boundaries. Let's sit and discuss this. And then we decided that through, through Mondays to, to um, Friday afternoons, there won't be any games. And then Friday when they come from school, they first do their, finish their homework and then they've got a certain hours. So then there's two hours in the afternoon, two hours in the evening, Saturdays in the morning, afternoon and evening, there's two hours. And in Sunday afternoon when we sleep, uh, they can play and they three boys, they need to, to decide who's, which two hours are which hours. And we wrote it down and they signed there. Uh, we said, listen, this is choices with consequences. There's an hour. Let's say in a Saturday afternoon, it's one to three. Uh, that's a two hours that you can play. Who's, who's playing in that game? Okay, Dirky, it's his hour. Then these two hours, he can play. And then uh, when they play before one o'clock or they play longer than three o'clock, then, then he loses two hours the next time. You know, then he wow. misses out on two hours. And I can tell you, they stuck to that, maybe missed it one or two, three times, and that was it. And they stuck to those things. And uh, yeah, and same with the cell phone. I mean, you get an app where you can also manage their what, whatever contents and whatever they do on their cell phones. That's a good thing to have. 
is to uh, manage your children's phone from your phone to what they are allowed to go in, what hours they can go in, which time of the day they can use it, um, all those things, you can manage it. They can still have receive calls and stuff, but uh, there's certain things that you can restrict. So if it's difficult and if it becomes a problem, that's the boundary. And then uh, the older they get, the more responsibility, the more you can uh, open up the, the, the boundaries for them. Uh, so we all know um, identity is is a big thing, and even for us, you know, we, some of us are still trying to figure out. And as you go through life, things change, and the Lord is always um, showing us our identity in Christ, making us like Jesus. And so it is a, a process. But during the teenage years, identity is a huge thing, as we know. They are trying to find their identity, trying to find who they are, and what are some ways that we can help our, our preteens, help our teenagers to, to find their identity? Um, identity, we taught our children from very small that identity is um, um, who am I, and that God is the only one who can tell us who we are, not our, not, not, the, um, not our friends, not teachers, no one else can tell you who you are, and we've made times and, and really fun times to practice that and to help them and do it prophetically. And also, we, um, once a year or twice a year, we made a collage and we took, um, they, they made their own collage and, um, of what, who God says they are. And I remember one time Dirkis was, it was only words. The whole collage was, there was no pictures in the collage. It was only words. And all of the words was stuff like, I'm the king and I'm the best. And <laughs> so, yeah, we, we've made it fun times. When they were small, we also, on a Friday evening, we had a, f a, a family was our family time and we made a nice dinner and we made it a blessing night so then then we prophesied over the kids and we blessed them and we tried to to tell them who they are so that they will know this is who i am and when we taught them that when they when 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 someone come and they tell them or they they make you feel like you you you're not um, you're not worthy or you're not good enough. That's not who you are. Who are you? So we've practiced that a lot with them from when they were small. Yeah, I remember when Dirkie was grade four, he, he, we drove back from school and he, and he said that uh, that specific day, uh, boy sitting at the back called him names and he turned around and said to him, no, that's not who I am. You know, and I thought, sure, wow, that's amazing. You know, so, so the thing is, um, if you hear something constantly, you know, you, you become, you, you start to, to believe it. Um, so you can, uh, and there's, there's, you know, I will say there's two, uh, um, there's two sources that wants to influence your children. It's God and Satan. And they use us as parents as a main channel to communicate the message to our children. You're valuable. Um, I love you, or you're nothing, and depends on what they hear, you know, so if you, yell, if you, if you break them down the whole time, and yeah, be quiet, and you know, you can't do anything right, and you're always in the way, and you know, if you give them that the whole time, that's what they're going to start to believe of themselves, but if you give them, you're valuable, you are important, you, you're someone, 
you know, then they're going to believe that as well. So that when the lie comes, it's easy to, it's like a counterfeit bill. When you, when you count money, uh, when the counterfeit comes, it's easy to, to see it because it just stands out. Because you're so used to the right ones that you see the wrong one. You see, so yeah. It's yeah, that's really good. Um, so we've actually come to the end of, of the questions that we, we had um, just wanted to discuss. But maybe we can ask if there are other, other questions that you might have, things that you are unsure about. Um, we'd love to, to discuss that with you. And last week, remember, we had Craig and Ursh who raised goals. <laughs> so they, they also touched on a few of those things around um, raising goals. And then again, to encourage you if to get connected to community, 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 people that have walked this road, people whose children, we've got many um, people in the life of our, our church, sorry, that whose adults, their, their children have grown up and now they are adults that love the Lord, they serve the Lord, they... Um, so we have those, those men and women that we can come and ask, please pray for me. I don't know what to do. Please, let's not be ashamed or let's not be, none of us know what, know all the answers. And many of us don't have good reference points. Those that have grown up, like I've heard Murdoch share about the different generations of when you've grown up in a healthy home, it's so much easier for you to have a healthy home. And then, so some of us, we, we, don't, we don't have all of the, the answers, and that's why we have a church family to help us with that. Are there any other questions? <laughs> cool. Someone was just on Facebook was asking about, um, you know, engaging with a teenager. Usually um, they, they kind of reach a, a point where they, they're just missing an action in the home. In other words, they're at home, but they're not at home. They're disengaged. Stuck in their room, you know, don't come out. Only maybe emerge for a meal, you know. And uh, how, how, how do we engage with our teenagers? Uh, to, I mean, uh, you, did, you guys did share a few things around that, but maybe just some helpful tips on how to deal with that and maybe draw them in uh, to, to the family life. I think we've got, can both share on that, but I think, um, so you need to make a con conscious choice to be involved in your child's life. Uh, I remember when my boys became 13, I did a rite of passage with them. I invited them into a circle of men, prayed over them and said, listen, you're going to start your journey towards manhood and I'm going to walk with you. And I remember I took them on courses. Uh, we would go to Bloemfontein. We would do love, sex and dating course. We would do financial courses. We would do things. And I would tell them, listen, this weekend, we, or I would prepare them, say that weekend, we're going to go. You, we, 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 and then we do that, and then we take them away. Uh, we would plan outreaches. We would go with Romka on, uh, on outreaches. I remember this one year we went to Botswana, seven days, no water, no bathing. They loved it. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, we also had this thing that we did three or four years before lockdown. Uh, every first week, weekend of the, of the month, uh, so I said to my boys, we're going to, so the first Saturday of each month, we're going to do something adventurous together. We're going to plan this so that you know ahead. Um, and then uh, we said, okay, let's just invite some of your friends. I gave them cards. And within two weeks, we had 60 
people that joined us. So uh, two weeks before the time, we would just send a uh, WhatsApp out and we would cap it at 40 people and men and their sons would come and uh, we would do something adventurous. And I would take my boys, we would go pray for people in hospitals. We would go to, to uh, um, you know, and, and to the streets and, and lead people to the Lord. So be intentionally involved in your child's life. You know, draw him out of his room. Tell him, listen, we're going to do things. Take your child on a journey. You know, t- t- do things with your child. Um, be, be consciously involved in your child's life. Don't wait for him to involve you because it probably won't happen. You make the decision to involve your child in, yours li- in, in your life and take your child on an adventure. They want that. They need that. They love that. Yeah, I also think one of our boys is also like that in his room a lot. And at first I was really worried about that. And then I was reminded that I was actually the same. I was reminded that I was also, I've I've read a lot of books and I was only in my room. I didn't want to do anything. And then I thought, okay, I'm okay. So I think it will be okay, but to draw them out and that to make certain rules and certain times that they need to come out, but also that they need to be in their rooms. It's okay. Um, it's okay as well not to not to be too harsh, not to discipline in that. But they need that time. And really, I can see um, with Turkey that he was he was a lot in his room. He liked being in his room and his his time. And he's actually an extrovert. But now I can see he's coming out of that again. So it's just a phase. It's, it's they will come out of it. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. So do we have any other um, questions that, that, you would, that you would like to ask? Because we don't have any more online. Okay. Yes. Would you please speak just into the mic, just for the um, the online people? <laughs> just for the, the people online, would you mean for the recording? Oh, thank you so much. Good one. Now I was saying thank you so much for the talk. We learned, or I learned, quite a lot. I'm raising four children, three boys, and a girl who just turned 18. <laughs> yeah, it's been <laughs> a roller coaster ride, especially with the girl, because she is strong-willed. So like two weeks ago, the Holy Spirit had to like really bring me down and said, I think you are misrepresenting me. <laughs> yes, because I'd been issuing, I think, a lot of those red cards. Yes. You were doing this, you were doing that, you were yes. doing that. Said, if you're not careful, you're going to turn her away from me. Yeah, so let's do the doubling of love, like you were saying. It's love, what? And blessings and then also discipline. But we <coughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that the fights stop, hey? Especially when it comes to maybe issues like dressing. <laughs> like you're preparing to go to church, and you should come up wearing something that you really don't approve. But she'll say, no, no, this is what I want. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> like when you know, this is not right. Do you fight? Do you just let her be? Because recently, I think there was a photo of, who is this Madonna with an adopted? Did you see it? Yeah, you know, trying to avoid things like that. But then again, without crushing, how do you handle? I think think it's important to um, sit down with her 
and to discuss with her why you don't want her to dress like that so that she will understand um, what is the consequence, consequences and what can happen and, and why you don't, you don't approve that so that she will know this is the reason. And then there need to be certain things in our house, there's certain things that's non-negotiable. So if you're in my house, if you're in our house, you can't wear like that. We don't buy clothes like that. So, but to do it in love as well, for, for her to, to know this, it's not because we don't like you, it's not... It's not that it's we love you, it's really because we love you that we want to protect you. And I think to start with that, um, that will help. Is the father there? Is the father also in the house? So it's interesting when a girl hits that age, 12, 13, something really rises up in her, something that God has placed in her as a small girl, um, a need, and that need is, am I beautiful enough and will I belong one day? And uh, that is actually an outcry for acceptance, you know, uh, um, because why is she dressing? To get attention from, uh, probably from other boys as well, you know, and to, to so she, she's got this inner need that people will say, you look beautiful, because she's obviously feeling beautiful. And so um, uh, in that age, God has placed a father there as the gatekeeper of his daughter's heart to protect her. And he's the one that needs to tell his daughter, you're beautiful, you're princess. And he needs to fill that, that, uh, that uh, need in her heart so that he doesn't look for it at another place. Because if a father isn't there, the enemy is going to send someone. And it probably will cost her. You know, that will tell her, you're beautiful, I love you. You, uh, you know, and, and, and the heart will connect. Uh, towards that so uh, it's very important even blessing in in that you know to fill that space in her heart that she knows i'm loved i belong and that also gives a father input in a daughter's life to say um i want to journey with you towards womanhood and uh, uh, you know just godly principles of uh, of being a woman and the thing is also the way he treats his wife you know, and the way his wife dresses, uh, the, uh, also example, you know, so, um, yeah, maybe if that can, can answer you, so. Um, so I want to ask, um, so my 12-year-old, <laughs> he, um, so he has this picture in his mind of, of what, like, what he likes and what he wants to do. And if anything happens that is not in that picture, um, so say, for instance, we'll go and visit a friend, and then he wants to stay at the friend. And we say, no, you can't because it's exams. You need to go home and you need to study. So now that's not in his picture. And then he gets angry, and then he is, you know, he's frustrated and angry with us. Even though there is boundaries, and even though we lay those boundaries every, like we say, we need exams, there's no friends, we need exams, there's no, for instance, games, that's our rules. But still, he will argue with that, and he will try and convince us that it should not be like that. And he will, and then, and if he doesn't get his way, he will be angry and mad at us for sometimes a whole weekend. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> she 
Jesus. <laughs> you know, there's, when it comes to teenagers, there's a lot of Jesus moments, you know. <laughs> when you say Jesus, answer. Uh, so I would say, <clears throat> and I mean, this is just off my heart. I, I, I don't know what's the situations. I would say, uh, we call it uh, red, red, red line rules. Um, so there's red line rules that you don't overstep. And the thing is, when we have red line rules, um, to be consequent to those things. So there's certain things because sometimes he will push boundaries and get away with it and see, hey, pushing boundaries works, you know, and being angry manipulates, you know, so, so then I can get my, my, my will, you know. Uh, um, so I would say if you sit with him, talk to him about red line and uh, tell him that, listen, this is non-negotiable, the, the red lines. Um, you know, it's like when you go drive on these mountains, you know, and it gets high, you get these rails on the, on the, on the side. It's there to protect you. And sometimes a car goes against those rails and scratches. But it's better to get scratched than you go off the mountain. You know, so, so we put rails in. And then if you, if you, if you touch that rail, you're going to get scratched. <laughs> you see? But it's better to cry now than cry when you're older. <laughs> you know, so we've got a red line rule. And if you cross that, uh, it's just there's consequences. We're not going to argue that. And then, but being consequent with that thing so that it doesn't push those boundaries. And then when he overreacts, then, we, then, then you know, you decide, is that, is that a red line thing or not? And how, how are you going to deal with those things? And uh, maybe getting into his heart and to understand his heart as well. Um, because there's probably a need there as well, you know, outcry for something. And also to have those moments where you can sit down with him and say, why? You know, I want to understand, where does this come from? You know, but also just having that red line and then you decide which stage is. Is it uh, hiding or is it a choice with consequences? Um, but he needs to understand that you're not pushing boundaries. Yeah, so, so yeah. Murak, you guys uh, facilitate those uh, nights of becoming and also just the Father's blessing. Maybe you can talk about just quickly around the significance of those moments in our children's lives. That's, I love that question. <laughs> that's why I asked it. <laughs> yeah, that's powerful. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, if I look at the Jewish culture, they have this thing that they call bar mitzvah and bar, uh, um, you know, bat mitzvah. Uh, bar mitzvah's son and uh, bat his daughter. Um, that the uh, I believe God implemented in the culture of his people and even Jesus had it twice where the father said, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. And uh, so I said, Lord, I, I want to do this not because it's, a, it's a something that you did, but there's a, there's a value. And I want to bring the value back because the enemy stole the value and the value is blessing. So I want to bring blessing back. So when my boys... Uh, became 13 years old. I invited a lot of men, and uh, then um, he, he was coming through his loving stage uh, where the mother played a big role in his life. And then we planted these torches in a long, long uh, uh, um, 
bath and then we'd plant torches in a circle and all these men would stand in a circle and then my wife would take my boy and they would stand at the beginning of the torches and then she would do something very significant she would say let's take Dirky he's, he was lost now and then she would say to him Dirky I release you into manhood so there's something that happens in that moment where where a boy is going to be start growing towards a man you know, where, 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 where he's moving almost from mother to, to father because there's something rises up in him, that something God has placed in him. Uh, he wants an adventure to live, a battle to, to fight. You know, they, that rises up. And, and, and what better than a man to offer that to, to your boy, you know, when he hits puberty. And uh, um, so then he would stand there and my wife would release him into manhood, not saying that I'm not being your mother anymore, I'm not going to be there or protect. No, she's still going to do all those things. There's this a spiritual thing that happens. And then I stand here with my torch. He's got a torch. All the men are here. And then I call him. I say to him, Dirk, I, I invite you into the presence of men. And I can't explain this, but we've done this with numerous boys, many boys on many occasions. And I'm telling you, when that boy walks to his father, something happens in his heart. If you could open up the spirit realm, you would see into the spirit realm. Uh, you can see there's authority. There's something that God pours out over that boy as he walks there to his father. And then when he comes to me, I take my torch and I light his torches. And then I give him a father's blessing. I tell him in front of all his men. You are journeying towards manhood. And as your father, I'm going to walk this road with you and I'm going to teach you the ways of man and the ways of, of warrior and how to become a godly man. And uh, then I tell him, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're my son. And, and I'm telling you that, yo, that just lays the foundation. I'm saying that's a good thing to do. <laughs> and same of night of becoming. You know, we've got this formal, we put tables. Then these families would come and, and, and dress up the tables. And then in the evening, they would bring a basket with food. And the girls would come with these formal dresses. And it's formal. We've got this red carpet. And then the father would take his daughter and they would stand at the start of this red carpet. And then a favorite song would play with all the uh, uh, photos of since childhood. And then the father would would walk with his, his daughter in front of all these people towards a place that were made up with flowers and everything, and he would give her this father's blessing. And then from there, he would take her, put her on, a, on, a, on this couch, and then the mother would bring high heel shoes, and uh, he would take off her sandals because she comes with this formal dress with sandals, and he would take off the sandals and put high heels on just as a symbol to say, listen, you are going to walk, start with a journey towards womanhood, and I want to be there with you. I want to walk with you on this road. And then he puts a crown on her head, and he prays for, for his, his daughter. And I'm telling you, I've seen this numerous times. Girls cry. Girls, I mean, we need to hear this. We, I mean, everyone wants this from their parents, daughters, men want this from their parents to hear I'm loved and and that that is a very significant evening that happens there I believe it lays just a foundation of towards adulthood there's a maturity there's authority that that is laid there that I can't explain wow so we will be we would do some of those in this year and um, yeah, and so if you are interested, please speak to speak to Murak and Sh or Cherie, um, or speak to one of us. We'd love to to yeah see how we can do that. Yeah, so girls from 12 years old until uh, I think 90 years old qualify. Wow. Yeah, because if you're 60 and your father's never done it with you, the need is still there. 
Wow. We had fathers doing it with their daughters and they married with children. And then they bring their daughters to, to, to those nights and it's amazing. Yeah, the Lord is so gracious, so hey, that He just heals and He restores, and um, yeah. So I'm going to pray for us, and yeah. Afterwards, again, the please, if you have questions, if you want to, we've got people that you can ask your questions to. We will direct you to people that um, are knowledgeable and that would would really be helpful. So thank you, Lord. Um, yeah, thank you, Jesus, for for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you are involved in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that uh, Holy Spirit, thank you that you um, are ministering, Lord, and we do pray that even, even as we raise preteens and teens, remind us to ask you to help us. <laughs> remind, remind us, Lord, to be empowered by you, Holy Spirit, to rely on you for wisdom. And thank you, Lord, that you know the very details of each of these um, children and teenagers' lives. You know their identity, you know their calling, you know everything you've placed in them. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us such a supernatural ability to raise them in your ways, to point them to you, Jesus, and to show, show them who they are in you, that this next generation that, that is being raised would, would be so secure in you, Jesus, knowing their identity and um, knowing um, just you, Father God. So I pray this in your name. Amen. Now maybe I can just uh, mention that uh, end of July, we're going to have a, a course here um, that we're going to talk about, you know, about family, but from conception until your children leave, leave the house. And we're going to talk about windows of opportunity. What can we as parents do to help our children to, that, to bring them to a point where the father answers their questions. Who am I? Where do I belong? And where am I going? And how can I as parents prepare my children for this world and for life? It's awesome. So we'll get that info to you. So thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your evening. We hope you enjoyed this message from City on a Hill Church International. For more content and ways to connect, visit www.coah.co.za. Thanks for listening.